Welcome to the Living a Naturally Healthy Life podcast with Delane ND, the podcast for people looking to correct chronic illnesses such as diabetes through lifestyle change. I'm Dr. Delane Vaughn. As a physician, I see many patients who are ill because of lifestyle decisions such as food choices. Typically, diseases such as diabetes are managed with pills or injections. This approach creates a vicious, expensive, and unhealthy cycle of medication and then more medication to address the negative side effects. As a physician and a life coach, I work with clients to resolve their diseases, get off their medications, and live a naturally healthy life. If you don't like the healthcare system in America, I recommend you use less of it by being naturally healthy. So if you feel there has to be a better, more natural way to live a healthy life, you are in the right place. All right. Hello. Welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to the Living a Naturally Healthy Life with Delane MD podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. Uh, this is a podcast that's really committed to helping people live naturally healthy lives. Um, in my business, Delane MD, I help clients reverse their type 2 diabetes and come off their medications and really live this naturally healthy life that I talk about. So that's really what this podcast is dedicated to. This is podcast number, like I'm looking on my phone here to look up what number it is. This podcast number 64. So before we get started today, I want to talk about the hunger scale. But before we get started, I want to let you know that registration for the Delane MD Holiday Health Fix is open. You can find that at www.delanemd.com forward slash HHF for Holiday Health Fix, HHF 2020. So www.delanemd.com forward slash HHF 2020. All right. So for those of you who haven't heard me talk about this, um, the Holiday Health Fix is a six-week program that I will be launching starting the first Monday or the Monday, I guess, not the first Monday, the Monday before Thanksgiving in November. So the whole point of this Holiday Health Fix program is really to help you manage the holidays without getting sicker. If you look at the studies about our health as Americans and our chronic disease states, The holiday season is the season where we gain weight, our risk for death by heart disease, our risk for death by stroke, all increases during that holiday period. And the negative impact that we have that the holidays have on our health is not undone during the rest of the year. So the negative impact that you do to your body, whether that be higher blood sugars or the scale keeps climbing, that negative impact that you do in the end of 2020 will not be reversed in 2021. And that means that each holiday season, we start our our holiday season unhealthier, right? Like less healthy, progressively more unhealthy than we did the year before. So the holiday health fix is really um, targeted for people who are really, really ambitious and wanting to really get a, a jump start on this and change this pattern, change this progression, change this momentum of this negative impact on the health. So it's a six week program. It goes through the fundamentals of nutritional and cognitive behavioral therapies that I teach my clients to live a naturally healthy life, to produce sustainable, healthy habits. There's going to be online courses. There's an online community um, for support, for questions, for those kinds of things. And there will be twice weekly coaching groups. 
That's what the uh, six-week program will look like. Again, registration's open. If you're interested, again, you can find out more at www.delanemd.com forward slash HHF 2020. You can also find my social media on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Both of those are DelaneMD and there's information there also. Okay. So today I want to talk to you about the hunger scale. This is a tool that I teach my clients to kind of learn how to manage hunger and how to really quantify hunger. Episode number 61, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about hunger as a secret weapon. And I think that's really important. But what I realized is I hadn't done a podcast on the hunger scale. So I was like, oh, I probably had to get on that. So here we go. In review, I, I teach hunger kind of as a tool to learn how to live naturally healthy, right? Because if we believe our brain, we believe that we're always hungry. We're always hungry all the time for all the things, right? Like, I don't care that you just ate a meal. If you listen to your brain, your brain is going to tell you that you're hungry right now for Oreos or whatever the food is that you really find tempting. Most people find that that, is, that there's something that's always tempting, right? Learning that one hunger is not an emergency, there's nothing really to do about hunger, despite popular belief in America, there's nothing that needs to be done when you have feelings of hunger. Hunger is something that the human body is perfectly designed to handle. Again, popular culture tells us that we need to address it right now, and this is just not the case. Remember, 10,000 years ago when food wasn't quote-unquote secure, right? Food wasn't, and what I mean by secure is it wasn't on every corner. Dylan's, Hy-Vee, Kroger, Walmart Marketplace was not on every corner that you could just run by and pick up more food. 10,000 years ago, before our modern state of food security, humans survive just fine without having food available to them all the time. In fact, I would venture to say that we not only survived, but we thrived. We actually populated the earth by not having food available to us all the time. And that of course meant that we handled hunger on occasion. So I always teach my clients, hunger is not an emergency. It's all going to be okay. There's nothing to do about hunger. It's okay. But learning to lean into that hunger means that we do well by learning to describe it. And one of the things that I help my clients do is learning how to describe hunger in a quantitative way. So the majority of hunger that we actually experience is not true physical hunger. It's actually what I call brain hunger, or you might call a craving or an urge. So when a Snickers, maybe it's a Snickers for you, maybe it's a pizza or a burger or a shake or a cake or Twizzlers or donuts or whatever it might be, when that specific food is the only thing that will satisfy your hunger, that is not hunger. That's a craving. People will like really try to like fight for the hunger, right? No, you don't get it. I'm really hungry and I need a Snickers. So what I always offer to kind of illustrate this is if a child came from a third world country where starvation was really rampant, which is not in America, we're all eating ourselves into the grave, right? If a child came from a third world country where food was truly not available, not enough food to meet their nutritional needs, and you offered that child chicken and roasted broccoli, they would be thrilled. They would not be here demanding a blizzard from Dairy Queen, right? They would be happy for any clean, healthy food that would satisfy their hunger. And why is that? It's because they truly understand on a deeper level than we probably ever will as Americans, what true hunger actually is. 
So I always teach my clients how to distinguish between hunger, true hunger and brain hunger. And to do that, you have to have an understanding of what I call feelings versus sensations. So feelings are experiences that we have in our body that start in our brain. So we have a thought and then that thought creates a vibration essentially is that it is that we assign to a certain part of our body. An example of this is um, butterflies in our stomach before we go and do like a public presentation. So there's nothing really going on in your stomach. There certainly aren't butterflies, right? But you have a thought like, I'm going to trip on stage, or I'm going to forget what I had to say, or I might accidentally drop an F-bomb. Maybe that's just me. But we have these thoughts that create the feeling of nervousness, and we assign that nervousness to a certain part of our body. And in the case of butterflies in our stomach, that's where we assign it. We assign it to our stomach, and it feels like butterflies in our stomach. Another example is when somebody or something that you love, like a dog or a pet or a loved one passes away in the moment when your dog passes away, there is nothing physiologic that happens in your body. In fact, if your dog got out of the backyard and got hit by a car, you may not even know your dog is dead until you get a call from the police department saying they have your dog. And then you have thoughts about the dog that make you feel sad. And that sad is a a vibration that we experience and we typically assign it to our chest area and we say we're brokenhearted. The same thing happens with a loved one when they pass, right? Same thing happens in marriages where there's infidelity, right? Like the spouse that is committing the infidelity may know what's going on and they may have thoughts and feelings, but the spouse who doesn't know They don't have any feeling about that experience because they don't have any thoughts about the experience. When they have thoughts about it, those thoughts create feelings in their body that they assign to their body. Again, brokenhearted, upset to their stomach. There's also nausea, vomiting. There's all sorts of things. I mean, they're physiologic experiences. They really happen, but they're not created in the body. They're created in the brain. Versus sensations. Sensations are experiences that we sense it's, it's something that's happening outside of our body that we sense with parts of our body. And that part of our body brings it to our brain and our brain interprets it. So the best example I have of that is if you put your hand on a surface and that surface triggers receptors in our hand that we call nociceptors, right? Those nociceptors carry that information through nerves from your fingertips to your central nervous system and your brain identifies that surface as being hot. Your your brain interprets the experience as being hot. That is a sensation. That's not a feeling that started outside of your body and your body used its senses to bring that information to the brain where your brain interpreted it versus a feeling which starts in your brain with a thought and your brain assigns it to a part of your body where you have the, the feeling. When we're talking about true hunger versus brain hunger, it's important to understand the difference between feelings and sensations because brain hunger is actually associated with feelings. Brain hunger is something that starts in your brain with a thought that then your brain assigns to your body as the feeling or the want or desire or craving for food, right? And again, it's going to be specific. Like, it's not like any roasted chicken and uh, steamed veggies is going to serve to deal with brain hunger, right? Like nobody's craving steamed broccoli, right? 
most of the time we find that when we have this brain hunger going on, it's very specific and it comes on very abruptly. It comes on very quickly. So it's, I need a Snickers bar and I need a Snickers bar now. It's hangry, really, essentially. That's what it is. They talk about being quote unquote hangry. Hangry is brain hunger. It's nothing more. It's just brain hunger. Versus true hunger, which is a sensation that starts in your stomach and your nerves carry that information from your stomach, which is empty, to your brain where your brain interprets that information as an empty stomach and it's time to eat. Okay. True hunger comes on in waves. It will come and then it will pass. Um, it'll, it'll come on mildly at first and then you get distracted and it passes. It'll come on a little stronger. You drink some water and it passes. It'll come on more intensely, but you, you know, if you don't meet it with some food right then, then it passes. I encourage my clients to eat when that true hunger has been there for about 15 to 20 minutes straight. It doesn't pass anymore. It's hanging around. Then it's probably time to eat. So when we're utilizing the hunger scale, it's good to determine whether you're having true hunger or brain hunger. The other thing I always encourage people to look at is when was your last meal? If your last meal was in the last four hours, it is very unlikely that you are experiencing true body hunger. Most of the time, what you're going to be experiencing if you had a meal in the last four hours is going to be brain hunger. If you think about it, when somebody's getting ready to go into surgery and they don't want anything in your stomach because we don't want to put a tube into your throat to help you breathe and then stimulate your gag reflex and have you vomit the food from your stomach into your lungs, we end up with pneumonia and it's a hot mess. We want to avoid that experience. We tell people to go without food for eight hours to truly clear and empty their stomach. So if you think about that, even four hours is probably pretty liberal in trying to decide whether you truly have food in your stomach or not. I would venture to say it's four to six hours. Like if you've had a meal in the last four to six hours, chances are you still have food in your stomach and you are not actually hunger, hungry. You just have brain hunger. So the hunger scale is a number line that I teach. It goes from negative 10 to positive 10, zeros in the middle. And zero is the number that we assign to being completely content, not feeling hungry, not feeling full and not really thinking about food at all. So then you have the positive one to positive 10, and that's the fullness side of the scale. And then you have the negative side, negative one to negative 10, and that's the hunger side of the scale. I encourage people to eat between negative four and negative, or in plus four, between those two areas and figuring out where you're at on it. Where's a negative four? Where are you at on the hunger scale? It's an art form and it changes. The more you get used to tolerating, like to dealing with brain hunger versus true hunger, the more you get used to distinguishing those two, the more that where a negative four really is and where a negative four or where it's not, you know, those two things, it gets different. So it just takes working with it. There's no magic way to figure it out. So I describe the extremes, the negative 10 and the positive 10 as the times when there's true negative impact physiologically to your body by either not having enough nutrient or having too much nutrient in your system. The positive 10, the best way that I've ever found to describe the positive 10 side is if you remember the movie seven with Brad Pitt and Kevin Spacey back in the nineties, I believe there was a serial killer in the movie who was um, going around killing people by the seven deadly sins. And one of the seven deadly sins of, is of course gluttony. 
And when he murdered by gluttony, what he did was he overstuffed somebody to the point that their stomach ruptured. That's a positive 10. When there's true like micro tears, negative physiologic impact happening, happening because you've overconsumed food, that's a positive 10. And on the other side of it, when there's true negative physiologic impact happening to your body for lack of nutrition consumed, for not getting enough nutrient into your body. So that's concentration camps. That's true starvation. That's going to be a negative 10. So people will ask me, well, Christmas dinner, that's a positive 10. No, Christmas dinner is usually something that's along the lines of a positive seven or a positive eight. So just kind of clarifying where the landmarks are, are on this number scale. And then again, I encourage folks to eat between a negative four and a positive four. So I like to think of that first twinge of hunger that I get in the mornings, like the first like I don't know, like emptiness in my stomach, growling in my stomach, that's probably a negative two. I, I like to associate that with a negative two. And then as the hunger, again, it will come and go after it sticks around for 15, 20, 30 minutes, I consider that a positive or a negative four. And that's probably when it's time to eat. But when that first twinge of hunger starts to come on, I definitely do understand, like I'm, I'm aware that it's happening and I also like to know, like, okay, where is my meal going to be? Like, how is this going to happen? Am I going to have time to eat? Where am I going to eat? Do I have food prepared for me? If not, I probably need to start considering where I'm going to procure my food from um, before I get to a negative four. Because if not, what ends up happening is you slip into being more hungry, like a negative five or a negative six. And that is when we tend to eat, to overshoot when we eat, we overshoot the amount we get a little too aggressive in the feeding. And so we tend to overshoot the positive force. So it's really important to kind of have a good plan about what you're going to eat and where that food is and how that's going to look for you. And then a positive four, what does it mean to be a positive four? So I like to start with what does it mean to be an, a positive two? So a positive two is after you've started eating, right? You started at a negative four, you passed through zero through that content and now you're at a positive two and you feel that there's food in your stomach, but it's not so heavy that you couldn't go and like run around the block if you needed to, right? You could comfortably still go and run, even though there's food in your belly. But a positive four is where you could probably no longer run around the block, but you could comfortably walk around the block. Like you could run if somebody was chasing you maybe, but like not comfortably, you wouldn't like that, but you could still comfortably walk around the block. That's what I like to consider a positive four. I also like to look at a positive four as satisfied. It's not really full. Really full is actually when you're kind of encroaching on a positive five, positive six, positive seven. A positive four is really just satisfied with food. It's not truly being full. Again, this is an art form. This will change as you practice it. Recognizing that in America, we are not good at this. We do not do a good job of deciding when we're full because, or like when we're satisfied, because we're so used to eating to full. We also are not very good at determining what's truly hungry versus what's like a craving and brain hunger. So try this out and see how it goes. Recognize that it may not be perfect, right? But this is definitely one of the um, really, I don't know, sophisticated or subtle, but precision oriented tools that I teach my clients to help them really get to the point where they get their weight to where they want it to be. They start to lose the weight they want to lose. You know, they normalize their blood sugars. They drop 20, 25 pounds with their blood sugars normalizing, but now they'd really like to lose another 10, 15, 20 pounds. These kinds of tools are really the important 
they're the game changers for that last little bit of weight that you want to lose. So try it out, see how it goes. As always, if there are any questions, holler at me, send me a message to delane at delanemd.com. I'm happy to answer any questions. Check out my Facebook page, check out my Instagram page. You can send me messages that way too. I'm happy to answer any of those questions. And again, if you're interested in this holiday season being the last holiday season that you get sicker and turning it around this holiday season and really launching yourself into a healthy 2021 definitely check out my holiday health fix. Go and register for it at www.delanemd.com forward slash HHF 2020. All right. I hope you have a great week and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also leave me a review. If you want to resolve your diabetes naturally without any pills or injections, I can help you. Visit DelaneMD.com for more information. Click on the Work With Me tab, send me a message, and we can set up a mini coaching session. You guys have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.